progress. All right, ladies and gentlemen. And who are these gentlemen that we speak of? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. Gentleman. Gentleman. I don't know. Anyway, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. It is great to see you guys. Um, we are in middle of the Torah portion of Nitzavim, and what a Torah portion it is. We've had two sessions thus far that have been, I think, that have been really great opportunities to speak about some powerful themes. Um, Ray is joining us. So I want to jump right back into the conversation and, uh, and get rocking and rolling with today, um, our fourth reading. Today is Wednesday, reading number four. We're going to pull it up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, here we go. It's a shorter reading, which is good because, as I mentioned, my time is a little bit short today. Ray, welcome. It's good to see you. Um, I'm going to share my screen. Take a look. This is reading four, Nitzavim, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse number one. Here we go. And it will be when all these things come upon you. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. We can't. How do we just jump in? <laughs> We're in the middle of a narrative here. Slow down. Let me back up for a quick five a second. The narrative that we're in the middle of is Moses tells the people, look, whether you like it or not, you're in this relationship. And the, the, the nature of the relationship is that as long as you're engaged, as long, I don't mean like, okay, literally engaged, but as long as you're active, as long as you are plugged in, as long as you are attentive, as long as you are doing what you need to be doing, it's going to be good. It'll be good. You'll have, basically, God is going to be like a mirror. So where there's love, there's love. Where there's attention, there's attention. Where there's goodwill, there's goodwill. But if you turn the other way, if you turn away from God, as he said yesterday, there may be a person amongst us, because he gathered everybody. You're all gathered here today, he said. That's the opening of the six Torah portion. There might be a person here, he said yesterday, or we learned yesterday, that, um, that in their heart says, ah, Moses, God, what I need this in my life, I'll do whatever I want. I'll be fine. And I'll be, I'll be fine doing whatever I want. He says, if, if a person thinks that, they should know that it's not necessarily going to be so fine. It's not going to end well. And he says, slowly but surely, things are going to turn in a negative way. And ultimately culminating in exile, destruction, and doom and gloom. For not only the individual, but for the Jewish people. And yeah, we had a Rashi at the end of yesterday's reading that said, if you're worried about the fact that everyone's collectively punished for one guy, no, if it's one guy, it's one guy. But if it's the community, then it's the community. Moses also used language in yesterday's reading, like later generations are going to look at, at what happened to the, to the Jewish people and wonder what could they have possibly done to bring upon themselves all of those Difficulties, trials, and tribulations. The point is that, God forbid, it could, it could get uh, very, very negative. But, as I mentioned yesterday, in today's reading, Moses flips it back. And this becomes not the, not the, um, not the silver lining in the cloud, but really, it's more than that. Not just the silver lining in a cloud, which makes it primarily a cloud. It's really the end game. 
You see, this completely reframes the experience of exile. Exile is not just about punishment. It's like, oh, you did these things wrong. Oh, you, you lost your temple. Oh, you lost your homeland. That's not, that's not the full extent of what's going on here. It's not just punishment or it's not solely punishment is exile and destruction. It's rather a wake-up call in order to stir you and I back into the relationship. So as I said yesterday, using a human relationship example, recognizing the consequences of one's actions or inattentiveness to the other should hopefully motivate the person or serve as a, you know, a wake-up call, as a catalyst to re-engage in the relationship, to recommit to the relationship. Just a story that I've, that I've told before, just an example. It's not a real story. But imagine there's a father. Every night he reads to his, his little girl, he reads a story book every night before bed. And one night, um, there's, he works late or whatever it is. He's hanging out with the guys from the office and, you know, at the bar, whatever it is, pre-COVID, right? And, um, and the next thing you know, he, he misses, misses bedtime. And the next morning... His daughter sees him. Oh, you know, I really missed it last night. And she begins crying. You know, I missed our time together. And the dad realizes that it's not just something that he does every night, but it's something very meaningful to her and for her. And he recommits, you know, come what may, I will be there every night. He, he recommits to it. Now, when he reads her that story the next night or that night, he does so with increased passion, increased vigor, increased you know, uh, um, there's just more intentionality in the, in the experience, knowing how much it meant to her and feeling the consequences of having missed that night. And again, it's just this, an example or parable, whatever you want to call it, just an example that may or may not resonate um, with you. But it, it's just to bring out this idea that sometimes, oftentimes, many times, the consequences of our actions actually serve to, to remind us what's really important and can act as a catalyst and fuel to our fire to, to get back in a good place. Let me check in. Does that make sense, what I just said? Rabbi, I have yeah. a question. Sure. So, I mean, your parable, yes, that's like he came to his own internal realization. Right. But, I mean, but like, the, you know, the ninth, the, you know, all of the uh, curses and this and that. Right. That kind of makes one think of like the fire and brimstone of Christianity of the two, but that's right. not what we are. So right. It's a little confusing. Yeah, so here's the thing. You know, it's hard to say not fire and brimstone when we just read last week 98 curses, right? It's hard to say. No, we're not about not fire and brimstone. Not about fire and brimstone. Are you kidding me? Moses literally went fire and brimstone on the people. But... If you look at it through a deeper perspective, a Hasidic perspective, there's a diff different way to read it. Like the story that I told in last week's Wednesday night class, the, um, the son of the Alter Rebbe, the founder of Chabad, one year heard that Torah, last week's Torah portion read by another Torah reader who read those 98 curses. Usually his father read it and somebody else read it and he got physically ill that year. To the point that he was very sick and almost questionable, was questionable about whether he could fast weeks later on Yom Kippur. So what's the point? The point is that when his father read, he didn't hear the curses. So fire and brimstone, depends how you read it. Um, does fire and brimstone equal Christianity? I don't know if it equals Christianity. I mean, there's also 
we believe also in, in, in consequences, but not in a way that becomes the focus or becomes the entirety of, of, of the thing. I'm not saying that, that I'm, I'm not trying to say that any other religion does or does not, because frankly, I'm not an expert in other religions. I'm, I'm working on Judaism as, as a, I'm working on my knowledge of Judaism. It's a work in progress. Um, but I, you know, I can't necessarily compare and contrast. What I can say is, number one, this is more of an anomaly. Number two, there's other ways to read it. Number three, and that's really today's point, is that it's less about the punishment and it's more about, yes, there are consequences, but even those consequences are designed for an ultimate end game. That's not the end game. The end game is not, okay, what you do, good or bad, will lead to the end of reward or punishment. That's not the end. The consequence of the negative is really to bring about a more posi- a, 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 a rebound of positivity. So the end is not the consequence, it's rather the behavior that's motivated by the consequence. So for example, imagine a person shows up late for a flight and misses the flight. And because they missed the flight, all sorts of negative things happened. Is the airline punishing you by taking off on time? No. Did they punish you by you missing your flight? No. Did you miss your flight because you were running late? Yeah. Whose responsibility is that? Yours. Okay. And, and, and you know what? Maybe next time you'll be motivated to get there on time. So I don't mean you as in anyone specifically. I mean the one we're talking about, the you, the theoretical you here. So what's the point? The point is that we could look at consequence as punishment, as the end game. Ooh, if you come late, ooh, you're going to miss your flight. I don't know. I don't know if it's so fire and brimstone It's more of like, I said brimstone I, I did notice that I said that. But anyway, I don't know if it's as much fire and brimstone as it is about just, here are the consequences. We need to be upfront about this. But even the consequences are designed for a positive end. And that's, I feel like, let's jump into today's text. Let's see how it flows. All right, this is Deut- Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse number one. And it will be, says Moses to the people, when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse, okay, all the consequences, which I have set before you, that you will consider in your heart among all the nations where the Lord will, uh, where the Lord your God has banished you. What does that mean you will consider in your heart? The Hebrew is vosa el It's almost like consider, I don't know, Shav is like teshuva, is like return. Vahashevosa, you will return or you will take to heart. In other words, when having gone through the good times and the not so good times, and now finding yourselves, Moses is telling a prophecy about the Jewish future, finding yourself in a foreign land, again, among all the nations where the Lord your God has banished you. That's referring to exile. That's referring to when you will have been kicked out, not kicked out, when you've been exiled from the Holy Land, in that space, in that experience, you will hopefully take it to heart and internalize it and ask yourself the question, what do I need to do to get back? Right? Where did I fall short? Where did I go right? I'm now, I missed my flight. Okay? Let me think about what it is in my life that I can tweak to make sure this doesn't happen again or to get back on, well, not on that flight, but on another flight. And you will, and this is, this is it. V'shaft out of Hashem and you will return to the Lord your God. This is tshuva. V'shafta, v'shafta, 
okay, it's not the literal word. I mean, it's not the same spelling, but it's another form of the word teshuva. Veshavta teshuva, and you will return. Now, it's been translated as repentance. It's not repent. I don't know what repentance means. It's return. You're going to return to God with all your heart and with all your soul. Sounds like the Shema, right? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul. This is not, not love necessarily. It's more return. Get back to that good place. With all your heart, with all your soul, and you will listen to his voice according to all that I'm commanding you this day, you and your children. In other words, if I were to say this in different terms, Moses, and, and, and hear me out for a second, Moses is telegraphing the arc of Jewish history. That's straight up what he's doing. He's putting on a board, he's saying, this is what's going to happen. You go into the land, things will be good, you'll have lots of blessings. At some point, y'all are going to stray and go elsewhere and forget about God and serve idols and commit all sorts of stuff that is unsavory. At that point, the consequence will be you're going to, be, you're going to lose your temple, lose your land, exiled out. And in that space, reflecting on what's happened, you will feel the loss. You will feel the pain of separation. You will recognize that, you're, that you've compromised the relationship due to your own actions. And that will be a catalyst to reconnect. And this is verse 2. talks about re reconnecting. Return. Oh, is that the phase that we're in now, today? Yeah. I, I mean, hopefully we're at the end of that stage. Yeah. Mashiach, Mashiach. Mashiach. Oh, oh, hold on. That's verse 3. Mashiach is verse 3. Then the Lord your God will bring back your exiles. This is, this is straight up Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. Act 1 is Jews in Israel with a temple, you know, everything's good, a Jewish king, the whole deal. That was for like almost a thousand years. I mean, if you consider both temple eras and, you know, before the temple. Okay, about a thousand years. Then you have... You know, the temple's destruction, exile. So that's act two. So it's good, then it's not good. We reflect on the fact that it's not good, and when we own it, we internalize what we need. And then we get back. Then we recommit, we return to God. We say to God, we've messed up. My bad. I'm back in this. And, and we're back. And that's act three. That's Mashiach. So then the Lord your God will bring back your exiles. This is literally Mashiach. And he will have mercy upon you. He will once again gather you from all the nations where the Lord your God has dispersed you. I mean, this is straight up the ingathering of the exiles. Which, if you've taken the Mashiach courses that we've done, um, we had a Jedi course, this can happen, and we've had other courses. We had the Resurrection of the Dead course. One of the, the basic, fundamental, foundational elements of the Messianic era is... Rebuilding of, the, rebuilding of the temple, etc., but the gathering or the ingathering of the exiles. And listen to this. So, this is a beautiful, positive reading. What Moses is saying is, never despair, even when times are tough. Even if it's tough because of your own doing, because you messed up, don't throw in the towel. Don't believe that it's broken, you know, that it's beyond repair. There's a way to fix it. There's a way to repair it. There's a way to come back. And God is always going to accept you. Unlike human beings that hold grudges, God does not hold a grudge. Right? Look at this. It's automatic. The moment you return, 
Moses is saying, and you will return. Moses is telegraphing Jewish history. Moses is saying, I'm putting on the board. This is the chart. This is the map. This is the timeline of Jewish history without the dates, right, and the years. This is going to happen. You will be in Israel. You will mess up. You will find yourself in exile. You will recognize why you're there. You will then recommit and return to God. And then God will listen. God will take you back. God will bring you back. And he will have mercy because God doesn't hold a grudge. And he'll gather you back. Let's continue. Hold on. Ray. Oh, yeah. Ray, jump in. Sorry. Yeah. Is, is this the time when the dead become alive? It's not stated clearly. The, the idea of the resurrection of the dead is not one of those. Mashiach is clear. Um, there are allusions to it. It's hinted in this text. You know, gather you. Who's the you? So if it's this generation, then it could be a reference to the fact that they, literally, these people will come back also. Right? It depends how you read it. But there's no clear, it's not clearly stated, God will bring back your death from the, now, sorry, it is clear in other sources, but not in the five books of Moses. But it's alluded to. The Talmud, and the Talmud discussed at length, has a, a several different references in, in the five books, in the Torah, Um uh, about that. But there are other references in many other areas of scripture, Jewish scripture, etc. Let's continue with verse 4. Even if your exiles are at the end of the heavens. Look at that. And again, this is don't Moses saying, I know it got I know it got uncomfortable. Yesterday, it was the same day for him, but for us it was yesterday. Yesterday it got uncomfortable. It got a little fire and brimstoney, right? It got a little uncomfortable. But here's the deal. All, it's not God's fire and brimstone. It's just a consequence of turning away. The moment you turn back, that's it. You're back in. And God brings you back. Even if, you're at the, even if your exiles are at the ends of the heaven, end of the heavens, that means, you know, in uh, Antarctica or in uh, Kalamazoo. No, it's not that far. Even if you're in, where, where's like the, whatever. Yeah? Kathmandu. Doesn't make, it doesn't make a difference. The Lord your God will gather you from there, and He will take you from there. You're going to come back. As soon as you come back, God will bring you back. And the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your forefathers possessed. Look at that. Look at that. Full circle. We're back in Israel. And you too will take possession of it, and He will do good to you, and He will make you more numerous than your forefathers. Look at that. It's going to be even better than before. Because that's the true nature of tshuva. The true nature of tshuva is not just getting back, you know, like you're on ground level, you slip down, now you're climbing back up, and you're back to where you started. No. The whole point of going down is to go back up in a higher place than before. So it's going to be, it's, the translation here is numerous. It sounds like a bigger population number. It's not only numerous, it's, it's more everything than before. So the rebound brings an additional strength. It's like the example brought in Kabbalah and Chassidus about, imagine a rope. You take a rope and you cut it in half, and now, whoops, the rope is broken, so the rope is cut. So what do you do? You, you, and you need the rope, so you tie it, you take the two, the pieces that were severed, you tie them together. So the Hasidic masters tell us that in the place where it was severed, and now, now it's been knotted, it's actually thicker than it was before. Are you with me on this, why it's thicker? Because how do you tie it, right? You tie a knot, and now instead of just being like the rope, it's now like doubled over, quadrupled over. So now it's much thicker than it was before. So in a sense, it's a, there's a stronger connection in the place where it was compromised. And that's really the idea of tshuva. The idea of tshuva is not just getting back to where you were before. It's getting to a better place in the relationship. The same thing is true 
and I sound maybe like a broken record, but I don't think I do. But if you do think I am, all right, then I'm acknowledging it. But the same thing is true in our human relationships. That the goal is not to mess up. But when we mess up, because we're human and everyone you know, messes up, when we mess up, the goal is not just to get back to where we were before, but to get to a deeper place in the relationship. If we don't get to a, if, if the relationship doesn't deepen and mature and become even more healthy and solid and robust because of the mess up, then that was a wasted opportunity. Are you with me on that? That was a waste, that was a waste of a fight. You know, I mean, if it leads to something good, something better than before, great. But if it just leads to the same thing, then, then why'd you need that? It's like, why would you have to go down to go back up to the same place? You were already there. But if you go down and you go up to a better place than before, now it's justified. What I'm trying to say is justify the descent. <laughs> justify the, 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 the mistake. How do you justify it? By rebounding even stronger than before. And that's the idea here. That's the goal. All right. So that's the goal here is about rebounding stronger than before and higher than before. And this is what Moses is saying. You're going to be in the land. You're going to mess up. You're going to turn away from God. You're then going to be exiled, find yourself in an uncomfortable place. From there, you're going to reach out to God. From that place of despair or negativity, that itself will stir you to reach out to God. You're going to return. God will accept you. You'll come back better than before. Better than before. Rabbi, this makes sense for us looking at it. Yeah. I mean, in the moment, wasn't it confusing for the assembly? Oh, yeah. They're probably thinking, what is he talking about? Like, are we, are we can, supposed to do this? Can we, we when, are we, when are we leaving for Israel? Like, when are we crossing the Jordan? What's going on? Right, that's, that's a good point. It might have been a little bit confusing to get this entire picture of, like, what the future will hold. Because literally, this is completely future-focused. This is not Moses. Most of Deuteronomy, and I think I mentioned this. We can go back to the tape. But most of, I think I said at the beginning of this book, most of the book is talking about the past 40 years that they had together. And the mistakes of the past, and the good time, and the, the lessons of the past, and all that stuff. And then you have another element of Deuteronomy is talking about what you need to know now, and what you need to know when you go into Israel. That's a big part of it. Also, when you go into the land, do this, do that, do the other. But this constitutes a third message of Deuteronomy, which is the future. So there's two points. Number one, don't don't do your best so that it shouldn't get to this place. But number two, if it does get to this place, then you should know that's not the end of the story. And I will tell you that this and other verses like this in Scripture and the prophets, this carried us as a people through thousands of years of exile and persecution and suffering and displacement and expulsions, etc. And pogroms, this has carried us through, knowing that there is a better future. If not for us, then for our kids. That hope, that promise has kept us through. You cannot put, you cannot put a dollar sign on this. It's so priceless. This, this, this gift of knowing it's going to be okay. I mean, anytime we're going through difficulty, challenge, as long as we know it'll be okay, we can manage. It's when we believe that this is it. It's never going to be good. It's never going to be okay. We're done. It's finished. That's, that's suffocating. This is Moses preparing us for what may come, right? 
and also telling us that when that happens, if and when that happens, it's not the end of the story. So he's also talking to us directly. Directly to us. Directly to us. Let's finish off and then I got to run. Um, verse number six. And the Lord your God, oh, this is a great verse. Okay, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you may love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul for the sake of your life. What that means is when we come back to God, then God will circumcise the heart. What does it mean, circumcise the heart? It means basically removing, like circumcision is removing a layer, etc. So it's removing a layer, not physically, not heart surgery. This is conceptually. It's removing a layer of callousness, of, um, of um, indifference, apathy, cynicism from the heart so that the heart is more sensitive. And, and just translate it for you and I. It, it happens from time to time that we're maybe less than sensitive to spirituality, to God, to Torah, to mitzvot, to our fellow human being. And sometimes we can close in within ourselves and focus only on self, what I need, and survival mode, and you know, reactionary type thing, and our head and heart are not in the right place. And so what we're saying here is Moses promises that in this whole arc of history, when we come back to God, God then hooks us up. God gives us a little bit extra help, spiritual boost, to really be in a good place. All right, I, I, I apologize for cutting it a little bit short, um, but we can pick it up tomorrow. And um, the message that we have, like the overarching message, and you can always look further at this reading and, and explore it yourself as well with Rashi and Chabad.org, as I have it up here. Um, the overarching message is that yesh tikva, there's hope. We have to believe in it. We have to know it. And we, ha- we should never despair. There's always hope. There's always a, a brighter future ahead. And we, we live with this. And this is, this is our hope. And this is our, uh, um, what gets us through the most difficult times. All right. That's it for, that's it for today for DBP. Um, it's great to see everybody. I do want to mention tonight we have a special Torah Studies Rosh Hashanah class that we are also calling the High Holiday Boot Camp. It's the hybrid, the great hybrid mashup. Join us tonight, 7.30, either in person or on Zoom. Either way works. It's going to be a fabulous time. We have a great class canceling the culture of cancel culture. That's tonight. Don't cancel the class. Join us tonight on Zoom, in person, or both if you want. I don't know how you would do that, but either way. Same link. I'll send out another email, though. Same link as Torah Studies as usual. But we have the boot camp um, branding because it's focused on the next three classes, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and then Sukkot. All right. See you all. All the best. Take care, everybody. Thank you, Rabbi Ari. Pleasure. Great to see you guys. Take care.